0: Welcome to On the Journey Conversations. I'm your host, Sandy Wisdom Martin. My guest today is Debbie Moore, a missionary and a missions leader. If you met Debbie face to face, you would find her quiet and unassuming. And yet, God has used this humble servant to make a huge impact for his kingdom. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Debbie, welcome to the podcast. I am very excited to be talking with you this afternoon.
1: Thank you, Sandy. I'm very excited to be with you, too, always.
0: When I graduated seminary and started working with Arkansas Baptist State Convention, the name Debbie Moore, missionary Debbie Moore, was kind of legendary. Hmm, that's weird. (laughs) (laughs) So how did you get to be a missionary?
1: Well... Uh, It started a long time ago. (laughs) Growing up in southwest Arkansas in my home church, we had uh, something called sunbeams and then GAs and then YWA. So all of my experiences related to salvation and to missionary service started back then. I've always said that my call to missions has been gradual. And my primary calling, which is to follow Jesus and to be in relationship with Him, started at the age of nine. But I believe that as a Sunbeam, which is now, of course, Mission Friends, that God began forming that call on Wednesday nights when our Sunbeam leader would come in and sit in a circle on the floor with about 10 children and show us a ball. I know now it was a globe, but it looked like a ball pointing to different places on that colorful ball and saying, there are people who live here who don't know Jesus, turning it, pointing to another place. There are people who live here who don't know Jesus. And then pointing to what she said was Arkansas. Back then, I didn't know the difference between a city and a state and a country and a continent, but she said, this is Hope, Arkansas, where we live. And there are people here who don't know Jesus, but there are those of us who do. And our responsibility is to tell others about Jesus because we want all people all over the world to know him. And so that's when my call to missions, I believe, started, as well as in my home with a mom who was always involved in Women's Missionary Union. And then the call grew as I grew and learned more about God's world and His plan for the world, and what our responsibility as Christ
0: followers is. You knew God was calling you. couldn't have been that easy. Well, it took a long time. What got in the way? What got
1: in the way, after I knew for sure at the age of 17 that God was calling me to work in another culture, in another country, and I said yes. And then, of course, had college ahead of me, seminary ahead of me, and then got to the appointment process with the foreign mission board, as it was at that time. I began to experience call blockers, those hindrances that keep you from discovering and fulfilling God's call. Call blockers? Call blockers. Tell me about those. Well, my main one has always been fear and i didn't think about that as i was saying yes to god and going forward but then as it became more of a reality that i was actually headed to another place out of arkansas i began to fear first of all the fear of flying i have always been afraid of flying my first flight was from Arkansas to Birmingham for a WMU meeting and there was a problem on the plane with the wing flap. It would not lower or whatever it's supposed to do when you're landing. And so we had to circle and circle and circle and finally land and they announced over the speaker in the plane that the fire trucks were waiting at the airport. Well, that was not very encouraging. We did land and we landed safely. (laughs) but my knuckles were white, and my legs were sore for the next 10 days from being so tense. So that was my first experience at flying, and therefore, when I got to the point where I knew I was going to be flying from the United States to West Africa, where I went first to serve with the Foreign Mission Board, I was afraid, and I have been afraid for years to fly, but it didn't stop me because. I knew I had to get there. I can remember hiding in the Atlanta airport one time in the bathroom stall with them calling the number of my flight. No, you I didn't. had nine foot lockers checked on the plane already, and I was hiding in the stall in the women's bathroom. And then I thought, this is so stupid. That plane is not going to wait on me. My, my luggage is on it. And I ran and got on the plane and suffered through that whole flight, but knew that I was being obedient to God. So there was always that tension. I want to obey God, but I'm so afraid of getting there on an airplane.
0: Debbie, this makes me feel so good to know that you are human. I'm
1: human to the core. It
0: is amazing to see you on this side because I view you as a person who's not afraid of anything because I know some of the things that you've done in your life. You have just done them afraid. You've done there them you anyway. Go. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, not all, but uh, in particular, flying. And then the other call blockers are things like being, I think they're all related to fear, but the fear of being sick in another country and not being close to good medical care, the yeah. fear of losing a family member and not being close, Yes. the fear of language learning. And what if I can't learn the language? So those kinds of things have always been in my mind, and most likely in other people's minds too. I don't know. God just keeps assuring me that He's in control and that I've got to follow Him. Yes, do it afraid. That's yeah. that's a good way to put it.
0: Well, and I'm sure you're not alone in that. I'm sure every missionary has had call blockers. I've just never heard anybody use that term, but that is the perfect term for it and i wonder how many people have worked through the call blockers and obeyed god and how many people have said uh, eh, this is too hard this is not what i signed up for and chose another direction and missed god's best for them
1: right i would guess that there are some who've made that decision people that i served with overseas in liberia west africa in a short time in Burkina Faso and then a few years in North Africa have been such encouragers in my life. I've not seen that fear of flying in them, I've seen possibly fear of other things in them. All of us, if we're human, have blockers in our spiritual walk that we must take to the Lord, give over to Him, and through prayer and being in His Word daily He helps us to overcome those things.
0: Well, that's a good word because it's not just the missionaries that face those things. All of us face blocks to doing what God wants us to do.
1: And then I think about a sense of humor that we all need, particularly those of us in Christian service, whether it be here or there. A sense of humor helps us a, a lot. And some of the experiences that I've had in West Africa, I can just, I mean, we have to be willing to laugh at ourselves, right? Not laugh at others, but with others and laugh at ourselves. And I, that has happened over and over and over in my life because I've done so many stupid things. Some of them are embarrassing, but a lot of them I can just laugh at.
0: What are some of those experiences from West Africa?
1: My first experience as a missionary in Liberia was at GA Camp. Our GA Camp in Monrovia is just a beautiful little place on the edge of a lagoon of the Atlantic Ocean. Our campers would bathe in the lagoon, they would wash their clothes in the lagoon. Every morning about five o'clock, you see the girls out washing their lapa, their wrap around skirt uh, cuz they just bring two changes of clothes with them to camp usually they swim in the lagoon we had a camp cook ma mary and i have shared stories about ma mary forever i met ma mary in 1982 she's deceased now died during the civil war in liberia in, ni- in the 90s i met ma mary the first morning of our ga camp in 1983 Behind the dining hall, stirring a big pot of our breakfast food, and I walked over to the pot and looked in and I said, "Yuck well, Ma Mary loved that word she thought that was an American word that she was going to use from then on to describe the she thought that was the name of the dish in a, in American English, and it was palm butter palm butter is uh from the nut of the palm tree, pounded, the liquid comes out, so you take the liquid, add oil and fish and whatever else, and it looks pretty nasty. And so when I said, yuck, Ma Mary just smiled, her eyes twinkled, and from then on, she called palm butter, yuck. Yuck. Ma Mary was a precious little tribal woman who had no children. She was illiterate. But she was uh, a mother to the children in her village and the villages that surrounded hers. She worked hard selling Coca-Cola, a bottle of Coca-Cola, making a profit, buying copybooks, pencils, and other necessities for the children in her village to go to school. She wanted all of the children to get an education. Mom Mary was my Liberian mom. In fact, my own mother visited me one time, and I took her out to Ma Mary's village. And Ma Mary said, Miss Betty, you don't have to worry about your daughter. I take care of her here. I'm her mom here. (laughs) And that was just so encouraging to my own mother. Ma Mary invited us to spend the night in her hut. Dirt floor, no running water, toilet about a hundred yards away from her house in the ground. And those kinds of things, if you don't have a sense of humor, you're not going to make it. And Mom Mary was completely satisfied with her way of life. That's all she knew. That's all she wanted. That's another blessing that she was to me. Just the s- basics of life, but one of the happiest people that I've ever met in my life. To, to, to share you. her little bit with everybody.
0: I guess it's a good thing that you had a sense of humor because you were too scared to get back on the plane to come home. You might as well laugh about it. That's
1: right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. As most missionaries look forward to furlough, I kind of dreaded it because I was going to have to get back on that plane and cross that ocean again.
0: Well, I know Mom Mary was important in your life. Who are some other role models that taught you, that mentored you?
1: Well, let me change now from West Africa to North Africa. I moved there in 2002, and I was enjoying living there, teaching English in a little language center. I was living in a hotel at the time because I hadn't found an apartment. One Saturday morning, my phone rang in the hotel. The manager said, you have guests in the lobby. And I could not imagine who would be there to visit because no one had asked if they could come, which some of my students would do from time to time. And I would just meet them in the lobby and we would visit. And Sandy, most of the women who would come and visit came saying they needed help with English grammar or vocabulary. After about five minutes of talking about English grammar or vocabulary, they would whisper, are you a believer in Jesus? I would say, wow. yes, I am. And then they would say, who is Jesus and what does it mean to believe in him? That's Those so were the amazing. opportunities. You didn't
0: even have to go out. No, God brought you to Brought the them right
1: to me in the hotel where I was living. And that happened numerous times. This particular Saturday, the couple that came to visit me, young couple, I walked out of the elevator, looked into the corner, and they were standing there smiling. I thought they were Muslim, but their faces did not look like most of the Muslim expressions that I had seen in the city since I'd gotten there. There are not a whole lot who smile like this couple were smiling. So I walked over to them, and the wife just reached out and embraced me. We sat down, and she said, "Uh, my name is... She's speaking French. She said, my husband is... He doesn't speak French. He only speaks Arabic, so he's just going to sit there and smile while I talk. And he understood enough that he agreed. He shook his head, yes, I'm just going to listen and smile. Long story short, they were believers in Jesus and had been for about 12 years. They found out that I was in that hotel in their city through who lived in Marseille, France who emailed them and said, an American woman has just moved to your city. She's staying in a hotel. Go find her. They got up that Saturday morning and started going from hotel to hotel asking, is there an American here? No. The next hotel, no. Finally, the fourth hotel, the manager said, yes, we have an American here. And he said, I will call her down. And that's how we got connected. God's connection And that ended up, he was my pastor in North Africa during the five years that I was in and out of that city. And we still stay connected today. They have three children, all of whom have become followers of Jesus. Strong family, shining Jesus' light in that dark place, being God's voice and hands and feet. He's a taxi driver. He has Bibles under the mat in the trunk of his car when he takes his passengers to their destination. He will get out and act like he's getting a tool or something to work on the car. He's actually pulling a Bible out from under the mat, putting it in a black plastic bag, handing it to the passenger, and then he will follow up with those people and share Jesus.
0: That is an amazing story. You were afraid to get on a plane, but think about what fear they must have faced To find you and still were willing to obey God. That's amazing.
1: I believe that I had more fear about flying than they had about connecting with believers and being bold in their witness because I remember telling one day, she's such an outgoing person and never rides public transportation, bus or taxi, without leaving a track, a gospel track in the seat. I said, One of these days, the national police are going to find you and track you down and, and question you, and, and you're going to be in trouble. She looked at me and said, I'm not worried about that. I have lived in this country 32 years, and no one told me about Jesus. I now know Jesus, and I'm going to tell my people because they need to know the truth. She said, whatever I have to do, if I get in trouble, fine. If I don't, better. My husband was arrested multiple times for sharing his faith and for being caught giving a Bible to someone and put in prison. And I remember his telling me one night while I was visiting, we were praying together. My husband came in and he said, I've been released from prison. He had just been locked up for three days. We were worried about him. We were praying for him, and he walks in and he said, But I had the opportunity to share Jesus with the police officers who would lock the front door of the prison, come and sit by my bars at my cell and ask questions. It was amazing. And I'm just so thankful for people who live for Jesus. Ma Mary with Jesus now and and I always say and I think I got this from I don't remember if it was Alma Hunt or somebody like her that said, I hope that my hut will be next to her mansion in heaven. And that's what I hope about myself and Ma Mary that we'll be neighbors, but my little hut's gonna be next to her mansion.
0: Debbie, you have just shared some incredible stories of amazing Christ followers in other places around the globe. You don't always see that level of commitment here in the United States. You see a lot of complacency. What would you say to complacent Christians here in the United States? We have access to money, resources. We could be doing anything for the Lord, and we choose not to.
1: I would say that we, as the body of Christ, need to lay down our spectator mentality and embrace our spiritual responsibility to allow Jesus to work through us, despite calling blockers, despite being uncomfortable. Whatever is in the way, we need to lay that down, give that up, and follow Him, or we're going to be sorry and miss so many blessings and miss so many relationships that need to be made we have a mission we have a commission and we must embrace it obey him and go forward that's nothing new we hear that all the time but it's true i feel sorry for christ followers who miss out on so much because of just being complacent
0: yeah lay down our spectator mentality i like that debbie debbie i'm always challenged when i'm with you thank you for spending a few minutes with us this afternoon and i thank you we'll see you next time you heard the difference missions discipleship made in debbie's life missions discipleship is for everyone from preschoolers to adults wmu provides resources for all ages designed to help you make disciples of Jesus who live on mission. Visit WMU.com to learn more. Thank you for joining us for On the Journey Conversations.